I know what you mean. That's, I've got, I've got two or three of those come from a brutal background and the things that happened to me, I decided to hate and came into agreement because Holy Spirit doesn't hate Satan hates and it gives him permission in your life and then you struggle with rage and hate and all this and, and when you're free, oh, there's nothing like freedom. There is, there's nothing like freedom. I want you to have that. I want you to have that. So God's so good, isn't he? You know what's so beautiful? I told this to a friend of mine today or yesterday. And uh, I said, if you get set free from something, um, it's literally, biblically, if we had time, I could tell you how if you've been set free from something, it's, biblically you can describe it as you know the, you know the maze out. Now, scholars uh, will call that you have keys. They're keys of authority. And by the way, keys are very biblical all throughout the New Testament and uh, especially Revelation and Old Testament, that keys, I've given you the keys of authority, I've given you the keys of freedom, all that kind of stuff. And so when you find freedom, okay, um, in, in a specific area, you have keys. And so you can pray for people. And I'm t I told this person yesterday, and again, I hope, I hope one day they tell their story, but not all the story, but tell that that's the truth, that um, the Lord's just going to send you people. Like you'll run by people and it'll be, you'll think it's by chance. You'll be like, I, they'll be telling you something. And you're like, you know what? I used to be the same way. You know, you don't have to be that way, right? And they're going to look at you and you walk them through what you went through. And cause you have keys. And what do you mean by keys? It, I know it works. Why? Cause I had the same thing. Like this isn't, in other words, there's one thing about theory. There's another thing about, no, 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 no. This works. Why? Cause I'm free. I was delivered from drug use. I was delivered from drug use. So I know that the Holy Spirit can deliver you from drug use. Why? Because it happened to me. <laughs> well, it's not for everybody. It happened to me. It happened to me. So I have keys for that. In fact, I'm such a bad guy. I've got keys. I got keychain a mile long, dude. <laughs> I got I got a keychain a mile long, dude. So praise the Lord, man. So share. Share your testimony. That's yours to tell. You've been, you've been set free. And by the way, that's all over. The, that's what's so beautiful in the scripture. Everybody tells their testimony. Half of them are just, I mean, a mess. Paul, Paul's like, I was around killing people. I mean, wow. What a beautiful testimony. You can steal his time next week. We got stuff to do tonight. So, but yeah, you need, you need to tell your story. You need to tell your story. Okay. So the church in Ephesus, what I love about it is that this is not in theory for them. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. And uh, a good buddy of mine is going to be putting out a book in Acts chapter 19. And it's, um, it's all about the keys of walking in freedom in your life, in your church, and in your city. And literally, if, uh, if the letter of Ephesians is my favorite book because they literally like lived it. I put it on Facebook today. I'm constantly dealing with all these theological things on Facebook. And so I just put it on Facebook today. I said, I'm so tired of the theological arguments. If you have any questions, just come to the service and I'll show you. Yeah, if you want to correct me, you think I'm wrong, whatever, I'm, I'm good with that. Just come by the service. I'm gonna, I, I said, I'll show you who I believe in and what he does. And then you can go work it out. I don't care. <laughs> change, you want to change lanes? I'm good with it. But let me introduce him to you. And we'll see if we have any takers on that. But that's what's so powerful about Ephesus. See, there has to come a point in our life where it's, it goes beyond doctrine and belief and we start living it. Like what I love, in fact, I told this to Jerry today. And uh, I said, listen, um, and Darlene, Darlene was there too. But I, I, told, uh, 
I told them, I said, if you would ever, you know, and I'll say this tonight, I'd love to, especially people who are going to watch this tonight or watching online or watch it eventually. Um, if you ever wanted to sow into my ministry, okay, there's people that give and do those kinds of things, and hey, that's great. Uh, that is great. We live off that, seriously. But what I really want, I mean, what I, be what I would beg you for is pray that I would increase in power and authority and anointing. And I don't know how to say it. I don't know how the right theological words to say. But Paul walks into Athens, walks up and says, sees the unknown God amidst all their stuff. And he's like, I know that guy. You want to meet him? I mean, think about that. Imagine if you were in a conversation with someone. And they're like, well, I don't believe this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other. And you just said, we got to get out of here. Do you want one quick story? So I was at a camp meeting this summer, and really quickly, and uh, a lady came uh, who was invited, and um, she got radically saved at the service. Okay, it's a long camp meeting. So she goes home, gets her daughter, who's a teenager, wants her to come back. Daughter wasn't familiar with church or anything like that. No, 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 no. Her daughter was. But she, her daughter wanted, didn't want to come because it's a bunch of old people, which I get it, okay? Because I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I'm not old, but I look old. So you think I'm old, basically. So um, pastor's old. I'm not old, okay? But so she came back and she says, I'll come to the week if I get to bring my friend from school. Mom said, fine. So they came. There's a pool there. It was great. They spent three days. So the second service, the girl, the daughter didn't respond. But the friend that she brought, who'd never been to church before, came up after the service and she's standing right there and she is literally shaking like she is trembling okay so she had some stuff going on with her so i i believe there's stuff clinging to her like this girl's mine and uh i come down and she goes can i talk with you and i said yeah and so we're sitting there and i got another woman to sit with me and we were sitting and talking and and um it kept going in circles, kept going in circles. And I don't believe this. And I, I said, myth and this person at school. And I finally just, I, I heard the Lord and I stopped. I said, hold on. Do you want to meet him? And she goes, what? I said, I don't, I'm done talking about him. Do you want to meet him? And she goes, she literally goes, like, what are you going to do? I said, he's, he's spirit. I said, let's invite him. You can sense his presence. I said, okay, I, no, 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 I mean, there's no, no commitment, no strings attached. I just like, I'd like to introduce him to you. And she goes, okay. I said, close your eyes. I took her hand. I said, Holy Spirit, come. Introduce yourself to this girl. And his presence dropped. He was, he's faithful. And there was a point in time when I would pray something like that. I'd be like, oh, you better show up. <laughs> I've got a reputation here. But I did. I just said, hey. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. And I opened my eyes. And she's smiling. And she had cut marks all up down her arm. And, and she's smiling. And I said, do you sense that? And she goes, I said, did you know that can replace the way you feel on the inside? And she goes, really? Ask him in. She got saved and was delivered, set free right then and there. It's never pretty. But she came the next night, different girl. <laughs> so here's what here I want you to pray for me. I would love, I would love, and Paul says this in the letter of Ephesians, pray that whenever I open my mouth, words might be given to me and I may boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel with ambassador in chains. Just pray. Pray that 
pray that there is such an increase of anointing in these days on our ministry that I can simply just introduce people to the person who wants to set them free. Christianity is a person. Christianity is about a person. It's not about religion. It's not about your theology. I don't care what you believe. Seriously, I don't care. Do you want a meeting? Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't that be neat if we could just start doing that? Well, I don't believe. I wouldn't either. You want a meeting? <laughs> That's what Paul did. Okay, we got to get into this. We're never going to get out of here. So this is actually really quick. This is tonight, a little teaching session, because what Paul does is he goes through all of this throughout the entire book of Ephesians. And by the time he comes to chapter 12, he says, listen, the easy part is being set free. I mean, he hammers the fact that you're seated in Christ above every power, principality, name that can be given, title. Dude, like that was an easy sell. Seriously. Telling the enemy, go, be gone. Paul's on the road. Uh, and, and there's a girl that's been captive and she's got a spirit that which she predicts the future and, and fortune telling. And it's, it's a big distraction. And Paul's like, oh, would you shut up? Go. And it's gone. <laughs> okay. So that's, in fact, Jesus, when the disciples come back and they're like, dude, the demons submit to us. Jesus is like, that's like, that's kindergarten. That's nothing to be surprised. That's not, come on, that's little stuff. Okay. Being set free of the enemy's easy. Be gone. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. They're, they're liars. They have no power and no authority. Period. Goat. So being set free is easy. Staying free is pickle. Because the, the weapon that he has against you is lying. And he's going to come back and try to warm his way back in your life. Okay? So what Paul ends this book with is um, armor. Okay? That you are not only uh, set free when you believe and transformed, you're not only set free from the enemy, but he's equipped you to stay free. I know, dude, isn't that good? You're, 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 you know, and notice in verse 12, we, we begin, we're going to begin in verse 12, we're going to look at 11 and 13 as an introduction, then we're going to look at the first aspect of armor. We're not going to obviously be able to get through them all this week, but if you follow me on my podcast, I'm going to teach on them. And by the way, it's, it's just as significant because it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit who lives in you, honors his word. I mean, we have over and over examples of people watching online, coming into agreement and just set free at home. My sister watched one of my heroes um, in his um, video that he recorded in 1980. And she watched this this last year and he walked her through deliverance. And when she responded, she was set free. That was a sermon 40 years ago. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> Why? Because it's not him. He's dead. Seriously, he's dead. He's up in heaven going, dude, that's a great sermon, man. That was a great, no, it wasn't a great sermon. That's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that honors the word. He brings glory to Jesus, not us. Okay, so you can follow us along on our podcast. It's free and, and we're going to go through this armor, but it's really significant. Now notice in verse 12, all the language is present tense. Our struggle is not. That's right now. Your fight is not flesh and blood. Come on, man. And again, I'm going to say this on, online and I'm going to say this live. You can write it down. I meet people all the time who say, well, you make it sound like the demons under every rock and, and spiritual warfare. You exaggerate it. Dude, Paul goes so far as to say you need to take every single thought you have captive to the obedience of Christ. That's obnoxious. What, what's he trying to say? Dude, you, the, the war is not in the world. The war is in the church. In, the enemy wants the church. He's got the world. Seriously. Seriously, he wants you. You are a full-time assignment. 
So take every thought, take every thought, you're in a fight, whether you know it or not. Your problem is not physical. Your problem is spiritual. Okay, so this is what he's saying. We have a, we have a spiritual battle. Now, he sandwiches verse 12 in between verses 11 and 13. And I want to give you, he gives in verse 11 and 13, two commands with two infinitives. And oh, praise God for grammar. You know, and I know what you're thinking. Math is so boring. I get it. You need to talk to Gabriel about that. That math is so boring, but grammar is so fun. Okay. So you're gonna say, what is an infinitive? Okay. An infinitive completes the thought of a main verb, essentially. Okay. Um, part, very similar to a participle, but they function different. An infinitive normally is translated to something. Okay, so it adds to the main verb of a sentence. So a command, for example, or not, maybe not a command. Well, it's a command. Well, I just don't say it's a command. It makes it easier. We'll, we'll get in the command in this. But uh, the main verb would be like, I am able. Well, in our English, it demands an infinitive. You are able to, to is the infinitive. So you are able, able is the verb, and to this is the infinitive. I thought you'd be impressed. I, I like infinitives, okay? So there is two commands. There's a command in verse 11, and there's a command in verse 13, and then there is, of course, a main verb. Now, the command in verse 11 is put on. Let me read verse 11 in my NIV. Well, first he begins in verse uh, 10, and he says, listen, you need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This has nothing to do with Jeremiah Bullock and has nothing to do with me, with you. Seriously, you don't need to come to me. Yeah, you have him. And we have that. And your new believers get saved. They call me. I need you to pray for me. I, yeah, seriously, I'm going to a t-ball game. You know, I'm really tired. You know, or I, I, I can't pray for everybody. Why? You have, you have him. You have everything you need. Now we need a body and a community and I love you and I want to be a part. But your, your salvation is not dependent upon me. You have him. You have the resource. So he says, listen, you need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, it's he's, he is the big deal. And he lives in you. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Wow, good stuff. Okay, so you can underline that. Then he comes into verse 11 and he says, listen, you need to put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God is listed from verse 14 down through verse 20. So we're going to go through one of those tonight. But you need to put on. The word, verse 11 is focused on defensive armor. In fact, the Greek word for put on, uh, actually, there's a Greek word put on in verse 11, and then he'll say it again in verse 13, put on, but those are two different Greek words. Okay, it's different. Verse 11 is defensive armor. That's a putting on defensively. And verse 13 is a uh, offensive weapon, offensive. So there's defense and offense, okay? 11 is defense, uh, offense is 13. Let's, let's look at both of them. The defensive armor in, in verse 11, when it says put on, the literal translation is literally sink into. Which is hysterical because that's a, well, you're putting on warfare. We're getting ready to go to war. So what do I do? Sit down. Yeah, just relax. Well, I'm getting ready to go into battle. Yeah, it ain't going to be much of a fight. <laughs> that's it. You're just, you sink into you're going to rest. It's crazy. We enter into his rest. Okay, here, here's, here's a beautiful thing. The battle is over. The war is won. And we are victorious in Christ. When the enemy comes, you're like, you're defeated, Mr. Belvedere. Remember, you're the butler that got fired? Yeah, you don't have any authority. 
See, he blows himself up. He has no kingdom. He has no place. He's called the spirit of this heir for a reason because he, no, he has no place. He only has places in the lives of those who give him authority. So, so this is rest. So put on the full armor of God so that you can, what? Stand against the devil's schemes. Now the Greek word there, let me make sure I get this right. Oh, I didn't open it. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Make sure I get this right. Oh, there you are. So the word there for stand um, is literally, it, it's, it's not to fall over. <laughs> I'm glad I looked that up. That was really complicated. Okay. Um, but the idea of stand is that you can literally put on the full armor so that you can stand. But specifically what you stand against in the passage is the devil's schemes. So why is this defensive armor? It gives you a picture that you're to sink into this armor so that you have the ability not to fall over in the midst of a world that is deceived by the enemy. So it gives you this picture that the enemy, his only weapon he has, he cannot make you do anything. He cannot touch you. I mean, unless you give him permission. And again, what's the currency of the demonic kingdom? Fear. When you buy into fear and you fear, you're giving validity to his threats. Yeah. So if you're talking with your mom on the phone and she's like, I'm going to smack you through the phone. You're not afraid. Why? Because she's not, she's on the phone. Now, she says, I'm coming over, run, okay? But she can't touch me through the phone. Yeah, I have no fear of that. I have no fear of that because I'm here, okay? If, if a hurricane's coming, I'm not afraid. Why? I'm in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I pray for you, okay? But I'm in Tennessee, right? Okay, so I don't, the fear is not valid. It's, 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 not, it's not realistic, okay? So when, when I, but if I fear, I'm giving, I'm giving validity to the lie of the enemy. That's literally how that works. So all the enemy has is his schemes. Everywhere in the New Testament where devil schemes are used, it's literally the lies of the enemy that's leading the whole world astray. What kind of lies are you talking about? Oh, drugs are going to solve your issue. Yeah, you have depression. I've got a drug that's going to fix that problem. It's a lie. I'm not against drugs. And are there chemical bouts? Absolutely. But we default to the physical and it could be spiritual and you might be able to be set free from flat out healed. So I default to the spiritual. So there's the schemes of the enemy that having an extramarital affair is going to bring me happiness. It's going to meet needs in my life, you know, and whatever. There's, those are all the schemes and the lies of the enemy. Jesus is the real truth, okay? So we literally are to sink into, there's defensive armor that we're going to be looking at that literally allows me to stand against the devil's schemes. I'm, in other words, and you and I see it, we, we turn on the TV and I listen to people talk and I'm like, oh, you're so deceived. It breaks my heart. I have a next door neighbor at home. I have several next door neighbors. But one is just so violent. And he's like, that ever happens, I'm going to go down there. And I'm going to fix it. You really think that's going to fix it? Bless his heart, man. There's a definition of masculinity that he lives by, which is a lie of the enemy. Why? Jesus was a real man. You want to know what a real man looks like in the kingdom? He's, he's got a picture of Jesus. He's meek. He's mild. He lives by truth. Jesus wasn't a coward. He overcame. Isn't that awesome? So literally, so there's like, you know, we see it with women in terms of beauty. 
There's such an emphasis, like in our world, there's such a lie that women come under. They get their value by their outside. Okay, those are all lies. Those are devil's schemes. Well, when you live in this armor that we're going to describe, you're not going to fall victim to his lies. And by the way, in the time in which we're living, in which we're approaching, I believe, is that there's going to be strong delusions that are going to sit on the whole world that everyone's going to believe, but those who are the real thing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it. And you're going to be like, hey, that's not true. It's amazing the things that people believe. When you take abortion, which is murder, and you, you literally, there's laws that protect women with fetuses. And they're called children at one point, and they're called fetuses at another point. And it just, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And we talk about gender stuff, you know, and the lies of the enemy. The absolute, like, you go to the doctor. They can't, it's really difficult. Are you a woman? You know, because you can't take this. It's crazy. Okay, so there's, there's deception in our world that is so obvious. Like we're looking around going, how could you believe that lie? Okay, so you and I have defensive armor. You are not going to have to live in fear because God is not hiding anything from you. You are going to know everything. In fact, the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 says you're going to know what's going to come. Not going to be a surprise. Can I give you one real quick thing? Like everybody else talks about, well, no one knows the day or the hour. No, but you know the season. Jesus criticized the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel for not realizing the season in which they lived. I mean, he says, listen, when it gets, when, it, when the wind blows, it gets hot. I'm like, really? That must have been an Israel thing. But when the wind blows, it gets hot. When the clouds come, it's going to rain. In Tennessee, you do. You can smell it before it gets there. The wind starts picking up. I'm like, it's going to rain. I remember my son was like, really? And then it rained. He's like, dad, you're awesome. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> Always listen to me. Okay. Well, yeah, come on. There's signs. Jesus is like, you can tell physically. How come you can't tell spiritually? You're supposed to know the season in which you live. We're living in a new season, folks. There's things that we're seeing now that I've never seen in 26, 27 years of ministry. Okay. So. You're not going to be deceived. Verse 11. We got to get quicker than that. Verse 13. The second word for put on is literally actually translated to take up. So there's going to be times, well, all the time, where you're living in a world that's a pervasive work of the enemy. The lies of the enemy are been bought into the world, but you are equipped so you don't have to buy into the enemy. You're going to be able to see through the lies of the enemy. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 13, he says... There's going to be times, though, that you're going to need to take up. So this is offensive armor. This is the sword. <coughs> Oops. <coughs> so this is the sword. So you're going to have to take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. All throughout the scriptures, there's the day of language. In uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse something, where John was on the island of Patmos, verse 9, and on the Lord's day. It's not the day of the Lord, which is a prophetic declaration of judgment, but on this specific day, the day that the Lord came, he's talking about a specific day. This is the day of evil. In other words, there's going to come times in your life where the enemy is going to come and pick on you, like single you out. Yeah, he's going to come and test you. Do you really believe what you say you believe? I, I've walked my kids through this. Well, the Bible says this. I know, I know, but what about, well, you know it, but you don't know it. There's, there's different knowings. 
You can know about Jesus and not know Jesus. Jesus says to the, um, to the, to the goats, they're going to say, why are we goats? And Jesus says, you never knew me. The word know there is, is gnosko, which means experience. You can know about him, but not know him. So you got to take up the full armor of God because there's going to be a day of evil that comes when the enemy is going to pick on you. And you've got to be able to stand. Now that Greek word for stand, histemi, is literally to stand against. So when the enemy comes and picks on you, you turn and stand against your ground. You stand your ground against. So the enemy comes and you're living in a dark world. You're living in a deceptive world and you're not deceived. And one day he's going to come to you and go, that guy's not being deceived. I'm going to get him. And he's going to come and say, hey, and you're going to turn and stand against him and go, you got a problem? And after everything's done, you're going to be standing. Why? Because you're equipped. You are more than a conqueror. You need to find that verse and write it, underline it, tattoo it, whatever you need to do. Seriously, okay? You are more than a conqueror. Well, conquering's a big deal. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I will not fear. Seriously, I'm absolutely overconfident. And when I was first learning this, I got bold on this and I, was, I forced myself to be bold. I'd be like, do you, do you know who I am? You know who I am? Let me show you. I started reading the Bible. No, no, come back here. Come back. You know who I am? I am a child of the most high God. I can walk boldly into the throne room. And he knows me. He loves me. He has dreams about me. He sees me. I embrace how he sees me. Versus, get, just get out of here in Jesus' name. Yeah, I know who I am, man. And I'm going to walk and live in that. You are equipped for that kind of battle. So what I'm telling you is you can overcome. There's no reason to let the enemy back into your life in any way, shape, or form. Now, I want to look at this really quickly. The first element that he deals with is super significant. Verse 14, stand then, okay? So you literally, all this armor is so you can stand. You can sink into the armor of God with this defensive armor so that you can stand when everybody else in the world is deceived. You're not going to fall over. And not only that, because your fights against flesh and blood, that's verse 12, but you're also equipped with certain armor that you can pick up when the enemy actually gives a direct attack against you, and you're still not going to fall over, you're going to stand. And after everything happens, you're going to still be standing. Dude, that's so good, isn't This is like, Paul, you're a stud. Like, he wrote all this for us. And so he begins verse 14, he says, okay, let's talk about the armor. First piece, stand firm. Do not run. Do not quail. I will not be defeated. I will not, I will not be bullied. I will not. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now let's look at that. First off, this idea of belt. It's literally your loins. I lo anytime I can talk about loins in church, I always do it. Okay. Talking about your loins. Okay, it, it covers your back, your lower back region, your, your, your reproductive organs. It's all this area of your life. In the Old Testament, there's some hysterical. I do, this is funny. I think humor belongs in sermons. So, brand new Christian, never read the Bible. 
come to college, 1995, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm finding stuff that's hysterical. You know, especially in the Old Testament, you couldn't break wind in the presence of the Lord. You know, you couldn't come in with certain bodily functions and oozes and all this stuff is hysterical. And so these are all my, these are all the verses that I'm memorizing to quote, you know. So everybody's like, yeah, you know, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, for the wages of sin. I'm like, I got a better one, you know. And so, but they were less spiritual. So we, we uh, went to class one day and I memorized, I ran across Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 20, which talked about, um, two sisters, Judah and Israel, who had lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and emission like that of horses. I was like, that's the best verse in the entire scripture. That's hysterical, you know? So when I was in class and they said, I want you to write down your Bible verse, your life verse, and then we'll read one before every class. I was like, dude, this, this is gonna be great, right? And so I gave a different name, like Charlie, and I wrote that down. And so seriously, one day he's like, okay, here's Charlie's verse. Do we have a Charlie in here? And then he read the verse and he's like, who wrote this? I was like, I don't know what heathen wrote that thing. You know, everybody's laughing. But that's in the Bible. You should preach on that sometime. <laughs> well, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about that Israel and Judah were lusting after foreign nations and the power. And he's given physical descriptions of the power and authority that they expressed in the physical realm. Loins. That's your, that's your power. Literally, in, in secular Greek culture, the term loins, this idea that we translate belt, which is weird because it's not trans, it should be translated belt, it literally means your core. You're a fit guy. I've, I've noticed that. I've noticed that. I'm sure your wife just walks around and says, honey, you are a hunk. Probably not. But the point is, is that any guy who lifts weights will tell you that the most significant aspect to keep you from energy is your core or from injury is your core. It's your core strength. It's, it's squats. It's deadlifts. It's, it's the power that you exert. It's that's your core. That's that term. So he's talking about with this belt, this is the core that's going to keep you from being injured. So the first thing that he talks about in your weaponry, in your arsenal, is every bit of the strength that you're going to muster. And again, all the pagan nations had physical characteristics that described them. Some of them very graphic. Uh, but they had all these physical characteristics. But in the kingdom, the, num the first thing that he goes over, the first thing that he talks about, which is your core, which is going to keep you upright so you can't get injured, so you don't fall apart. The first thing is, is this idea of truth. Now you have to understand truth is a person. It's not facts. It's not information. That's, that's not truth. Jesus is talking to Pilate and he says, I came to testify according to the truth. And Pilate's like, what's truth? And Jesus is like, well, you don't recognize truth. I can't tell you what it is. And the scholars talk about how philosophical it is. He's the truth. The how this is crazy. The lens by which God sees through is the truth, and it can change depending on circumstances. I think this is a, a great illustration. So Peter is out in a boat with the disciples, and Jesus is walking out across the water to meet him. And it's stormy. They're scared. They think it's going to sink. There's all this problem, and they see a man walking on the water, and they're like, "It's Jesus." And people are like, you are crazy. That is not Jesus. Jesus is physical. You can't walk on water. And they look out and Jesus is like, dude, it's me. Chill. It's okay. 
And Peter's like, if it's you, have me come out there. Jesus is like, all right, come on. Peter's like, duh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so he gets out of the boat and starts walking. Yeah, it goes south a little bit, but he gets back in the boat and he's looking at the disciples going, huh? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know. Well, what happens, most people don't know this, but he ends up going out there about a year and a half later with his grandson. He's like, hey, you want to see something cool? Watch this. Goes to the exact same spot. Gets out of the boat and nearly drowns. <laughs> nearly drowns. That's not in the scripture. But here's what, here's what we want to do. I've, I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned this before and people get confused on this. And so hear me out. You are not, I'm a huge word guy, okay? But you are never called to be scripturally led. You're called to be spirit led. If you're scripturally led, you're a Pharisee. Now let that sink in. You're going to say, what do you mean? Well, the scriptures reveal the person of Jesus. The scriptures testify about me. And if you would read them, you would come to me. So Jesus says, John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. The scriptures testify about me. So the scriptures reveal the person of Jesus. He is the living logos. The scriptures are the written logos. So for 4,000 years in an old covenant time period and in the new covenant time period where the scriptures were given, they were literally giving insight into the, who, the, who the person of Jesus was. So the scriptures reveal a person. But the person that it reveals is someone who's led by the spirit. This is not like a, you know, well, what does Jesus want to do? Well, look, I had a pastor one time. I was listening to him. He's a big time pastor out in, and I followed him for a long time. He had like 25,000 member church. Great guy. Loved what he said. But he was asked during a conference, he goes, what do you think about marijuana? He's like, well, the scriptures don't say anything on it. And I wanted to say, well, what does the Holy Spirit say? Well, scriptures don't say anything about grand theft auto either. Well, what do you think about that? Come on, that's so silly. John chapter six, verse 16, or John chapter 16, verses six through 16. You are to led, you're going to be led by the spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to reveal truth. So the Holy Spirit, listen, the, the Holy Spirit never, ever contradicts the scriptures. Ever, 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 ever. He may contradict your understanding of the scriptures. That's a different thing. Yeah. But the scriptures is what we call special revelation. It is the absolute authority on who God is. Period. It is the absolute authority of what God looks like. And Jesus was the perfect revelation of that. The scriptures reveal the person of Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? One who lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So, truth is a person. Truth is not an exegetical deal. Here's one of the things that we find in church all the time, and it's an immaturity thing. We have people who read passages and apply them in the flesh and not through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I know who, I know who needs to hear this. And they just go and they, they just, that's what Satan does. When Satan was tempting Jesus, he used scripture against Jesus. Well, hey, the scriptures say this. Jesus is like, oh, you're such a rookie. Man lives on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Well, are you saying Jesus wasn't scriptural? Yeah, he was scriptural, but he understood the scriptures and applied the scriptures according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Truth is a person. So you have got to have the scriptures reveal Jesus as the fundamental of who he is. You read and study, study and the Holy Spirit brings revelation of who he is. See, the author of this book lives in your body. That's huge. So you literally, the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of this scripture. And you are led by a, a spirit, the Holy Spirit. You are not led by a book. 
I've heard people say, well, what if, what if all the Bibles in the world were burnt? Well, one, you know, I've got the digital, so we'd be all right. Okay. But you, you're filled with the Spirit, man. Most, here's a shocker. I don't know how much we want to go into this, but there was no Bible for like the first, what was it? Uh, it was the first 240 years of the early church. No, no, no. They had the NIV uh, Old Testament. No, they did not. No, they did not. They had the apostles who taught them. It wasn't like they just had these old, everybody had scrolls running around. No, they did not. They had the apostles, which is why, why Peter is always talking about and Paul is always talking about, you have the apostles, you have Apollos, you have Barnabas, you have Paul, you have Cephas, you have all these apostles. So you have the spirit. So I'm trying, what I'm trying to tell you is that the core and the strength of your life is truth, which is the perspective of a person, which means I believe the Holy Spirit reveals truth, okay? So when I read the scripture, he's literally revealing the truth of who I am in Christ. Because as Jesus lived, I live. Am I talking too much? I mean, are you, are you absorbing? You're all like, it's, 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 super, it's not really super complicated, but the problem is, is we got to unlearn things. We got to unlearn things. So the biggest problem is not what we're talking about. It's coming in conflict. Well, I thought this and I thought that. And I thought, yeah, I got, there's all kinds of junk we've grown up with believing. But the truth of the matter is, is you've got to believe what this says about you over against what you think about you. Because the enemy's going to come and he's going to lie to you. And he's going to lie to you with true facts. He's going to come and say, yeah, but you did this. He's going to come to you with accurate information. And you can't get into a Bible argument with the enemy. He knows it better than you do in terms of information. So when he comes to you with accurate information and he attacks you, you're going to have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit who's going to reveal the truth of his word. And you're, the way you're going to survive is the truth. I just believe what you say about me. Give you another example of a difference between truth and information. So the enemy has come to me in my past. It's really interesting. And I won't use me. I'll use one that's better. I was at a church and this young man um, who was a good guy, went to church and done some pretty crazy things. Well, he got saved at teen camp, like radically saved, authentically saved. And within like two weeks, I mean, he was just legit and like free and didn't go back and but he got into this really weird deal and he was like, yeah, but I mean, I did some pretty bad stuff and, and, you know, I probably need to be punished for a while. And then, and I was like, hold on, where are you getting all this stuff? And he was hearing a lot. It was the enemy trying to attach to him a past that no longer belonged to him, but it was accurate. You did this, you did that. What are people going to think of you? And it was all this lies. It was all this lies that coming. And I said, what does Jesus say about you? What, is, what does Jesus think about you? What does the scripture say? Well, the scripture, I told him what justification. When you're, when you're saved and you, you ask for forgiveness and you're forgiven, you literally, it's like you stand before him like you've never sinned before. So when the enemy comes, he's gonna bring, he's gonna say, when he comes to you, you're gonna be like, I've never sinned. Did you know that? The enemy's gonna be like, you're crazy. Well, I, I see my life through the eyes of truth. I'm more than a conqueror. You don't, 
Boy, you weren't, well, you weren't last week. That's the kind of stuff you're going to, that's the crap that he's going to throw at you. Seriously, that's the stuff he's going to go at. And the biggest struggle you're going to have, and Paul tells us, after you're saved, being set free is easy. It's easy. The most difficult part is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, young man, young man uh, comes to me. This is a true story. I, I, I didn't include all this at the table, but it's a 100% true story. I was doing this family camp, and this mom, I'm in my bus. This is back before we had the house. And, and actually, no, we had a house. Corinna was just at home with the kids. And it was in that tweener stage where we still had the bus and the house, and I was starving to death. But I'm at this camp in Ohio, and uh, this mom comes banging on my door in the afternoon. And she's got this embarrassed looking teenage boy and opened the door and she says, I need to talk. And I was a little bit le we leery about bringing her in because it's mom by herself with, but she's got her son, but uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's going to look and all that. So I left up the blinds, <laughs> home, left the door open with the screen door shut, said, all right, come on in. And he's mortified. So he got up in the morning at the family camp. We had adult services and teen services. Then they had teen afternoon activities. And then in the evening, combined services. And I was the adult speaker. Um, and so, but during the teen service, she came back after the adult services and the teens were playing games. And um, his phone ringed, ring, ringed, ringed. That's how they say it in Tennessee. His phone ringed. And so she picks it up and, you know, uh, missed the call, but then opens it. And he, it was full of porn. And so she goes right down there to the field, you know, just calls him back, brings him to my door. Show him, you know, I was embarrassed. The kid was embarrassed. You know, she was the only obnoxious one that wasn't embarrassed. But yeah, I could have said anything and he would have done it. He, would, he was delivered, saved eternally. You know, I mean, we just settled it all right there. And he left. Now, I, it was authentic. He was, he was actually a really good kid. He was just, this is what he did. Uh, he loved the Lord. Um, he just, he just did what he did. He sinned and he asked for forgiveness and man, he, accountability was put in place. And, and, uh, you know, I've never talked to him since, but I'm pretty sure it went great, you know, but mom didn't quite see everything the way I, I saw because she had the attitude is okay. That's done. But what I, I, I was seeing down the road in the discipleship that needed to happen that, see, unless that young man was transformed by the renewing of his mind, even though he'll never look at porn again, during that six months that he was looking at porn, the enemy was teaching him, that's how you treat a woman. That's how you look at a This is what sex looks like in marriage. And until he's transformed, that's how he's going to expect his wife to act and respond. That's what he thinks. And by the way, porn is from the Greek word pornonia, which is where we get our word sexual immorality. And sexual immorality is a, is a perverse spirit that gives a sexual lens of the demonic kingdom. And it wants you to see that way into your home. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live. I've been in churches and heard people talk about, well, we, my wife and I, we only watch porn, but we watch it together. You know, and it's, I'm like, <laughs> my word, I pray for your pastor. <laughs> yeah, because you want to be schooled in the demonic approach to sexuality. That's so sad. Okay. So yeah, can you be set free from porn and the enemy goes? Absolutely. But you have, yes, your mind is going to have to be transformed by truth. 
Because the enemy doesn't want you to just do something bad. He wants you to see the way he sees. He wants you to feel the way he feels. On the contrary, that's what Christianity is. God doesn't want you to just do the right thing. He wants you to be the right person. That's what entire sanctification is. That's what holiness is. God doesn't want you to just go to church. He wants you to want to go to church. I tell this to people all the time. You can give 10% and it might not be tithe. Why? Because you have to be a joyful giver. You have to like it. Now, you can still give your money. We need your money. But, you know, it's not tithe. It's not, it's not, that's not honoring to God. God's not just into physical activities. This is the heart motive. Okay, why? Because that's truth. He wants you to have his perspective. So the enemy is going to come to you and he's going to give you facts, but they're from his perspective. And you are going to have to be guided by truth. You're going to have to be, you're going to understand the scriptures, be led by the Holy Spirit and have truth revealed to you. These things are spiritually discerned, right? You know how many people have read the scriptures and don't, like Karl Marx, Charles Darwin, they knew the scriptures. They didn't have the author living inside of them. Satan knows the scriptures better than anyone. He's been around from the beginning, tempted everyone who's involved in it. You're like, how could, this is hysterical. One time I got into this, I was like, how in the world, how in the world could Satan must be an idiot? Well, the scriptures say that he's crafty. Yeah, but man, so is that guy that was like 17 in fifth grade. He was crafty. <laughs> but seriously, how could the enemy have been around from the very beginning. We're almost done. How could the enemy have been around from the very beginning and yet fell into every trap? The scriptures, I mean, there's 333 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. None of his bones would be broken. He'd be crucified. Dude, push him in front of a bus or a cart. I mean, do anything but crucify him. Like, seriously, I want to say like, I mean, don't go to Armageddon. Don't show up. Well, how in the world? These, you can only understand the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. Peter says, we have the words of the prophets made more certain. Can I give you something that's going to blow your mind? Did you guys hear this? Did you know that you can know Jesus better now, after he's been dead and gone for 2,000 years? You can know him better now than the disciples did when they lived with him for three years. Think about that. I've often thought I'd love to go back and, and just follow Jesus. Dude, you didn't end up crucifying him. The disciples knew Jesus better after he was dead and gone and they were filled with the Holy Spirit than they did. Are you, are you getting it? This is truth. It's not physical. It's not information. It's not Bible study. It's not that stuff. It's revelation. You have to read this thing. Ask him, how do you see me? And he brings revelation of who you are that is oftentimes going to contradict facts and information. If you walk on water, you will sink. That's crazy. Three days dead. That is not possible. Four days dead. That is not possible. Came out of the grave. It's possible. So there is a truth. Now it's interesting because we want to say, okay, well then I'll just go to every single funeral. Ah, is the Holy Spirit leading you to go to? You see the difference? See, you're going to be led by the Spirit of God. 
He who is led by the Spirit of God is the Son of God. So the first weapon of your armor, the first aspect of your armor that is going to keep you able to stand against the attacks of the enemy is he is a liar and the father of lies and he's crafty and he's got a lot of information on you and he's got a lot of bogus information about God and he's going to come and he's going to lie to you. But you are not going to fall for it. Even when he specifically targets, there's not going to fall about God. God says this, God says this, God said all this. You're not going to fall for it. Why? Because you're armed with truth. In fact, when the enemy comes at you personally and it becomes an attack about you and there's bearing false witness and there's all kinds of lies and there's threats and I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do that. You're not, you're not, you're not. Why? Because you live by truth. And truth is a person. I told you about my webpage. Well, you're not allowed to touch my webpage anymore. You can't do that. Did it. Did it. I'm going to do this. No, you're not. You're not allowed to do that. Why? Because Jesus is a strong tower. And I'm in him. Shoe fly don't bother me. Because I'm guided by truth. I believe what he says about me even over the way that I feel. Because your emotions are going to lie to you. How many times have you had to come back to your wife and go, I'm sorry, I was just upset. In the moment, you're like, I am, I am absolutely the smartest man who ever lived. And then like two days later, you're like, I got to go back to her. This is going to kill my the whole strategy. On, Yeah, there's times when I've been absolutely certain. Absolutely. And is like, Jeremiah, you're just losing your temper. It's not that. No, trust me, I'm right on this. And the next day, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Yeah, because I'm not reliable. He's reliable. So truth is a person. You are equipped. Everything in your body, what you throw your, what you throw your strength at, the core that keeps you stable. It's the number, it's the first thing. I think it's the number one piece of armor in your life is truth. It will keep you standing. It will keep you surviving in a lying world. And it literally will be the defense when the enemy comes to you because he is a liar. Even when he sounds like he's telling you the truth. It's a lie. Because he does not, he does not know the truth. Because the truth is a person. Good? I'm telling you, man, you, you're going to have to be equipped. Because you're public enemy number one. All hearts clear? You look tired. Seriously. Of course, you work all day, don't you? No, I've been working all day as well. I'm working all day as well. Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you?